coming to you live from BGM Pittsburgh. You're listening to the 3PL Premier League podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin, Josh. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk Chelsea. Not all about Chelsea, but a lot about Chelsea. From their losses past week to Conte's start to the season to uneven schedules and how they've benefited, we're going to cover it all. But first, there was no Premier League this past weekend. There was a lot the past few weeks. Uh, did you guys watch some FA Cup action or uh, or go off do something else? Kevin, you're nodding. Yeah, no, I mean, I was shocked I didn't realize so I, I watch my Premier League games through the Sling TV app thing um, and I, I wasn't expecting the Liverpool FA Cup game to be like available through that um, but it was so I was I was made up um, so I was able to watch Liverpool <laughs> I've draw. never I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard the, the phrase made up used yeah you, in that th- that's way. new to me is that a new thing am I missing really? some, some slang here I was made I, up <laughs> Or is this old? Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't listened, know where this fits. <laughs> I listened. I listen to some British podcast stuff, and I guess I hear oh, it on there. So I don't uh, mean okay. like I don't mean to use that in this aristocratic like. Here yeah, I thought it was way. like some hip but slang. It's just, it turns sorry, out it's just yeah. some old British term. <laughs> I came home. My you wife made some grilled friends, cheese. Guys? I was Do you made want up. Me to say I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, yeah. okay, Kev, I'm glad you watched some FA Cup, Josh. Did you? I watched a little bit, and, you know, even when there's no Premier League games, Everton still managed to disappoint me. Um, <laughs> so, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, do you guys like the FA Cup? I love it. I, th- I mean, it's. I think it's great when you have, like, you know, League Two Plymouth playing against Liverpool, and the fans are all into it. I, just, I think it's really cool. It I mean, is we, fun. We talked about yeah. it in, like, and I, we, we probably talked about it on, on Mongols Pod, but I, I love when you get a chance to kind of check out places that you don't usually get to check out through sport. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, now Liverpool has to go down and travel to Plymouth. Like, when, when was the last time they had a reason to go to Plymouth? Now they get to, like, <laughs> check out a new place, new city, new culture, new stadium, new fans. And I think I just I think that's cool. Sounds like they're made up, Kev. They are made <laughs> up. <laughs> no, I, I say the same thing about the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, it's just fun to watch interleague play like that like i I just like seeing these different tiers of soccer going after each other and just seeing what can happen and actually the i forget what game it was who what was the fa cup game that was actually two premier league sides facing off each other spurs were part of it i can't remember but anyway i I was actually disappointed like i was like oh this one's on tv let's see who's playing i was like oh man (laughs) i can watch this game any day (laughs) like i was hoping it was going to be some team i've never heard of (laughs) yeah yeah, I was too busy. I wasn't able to catch anything, but I was talking to my my company had their holiday party this past weekend, and uh, I have a British friend there, uh, Graham Botlet. Graham, if you're listening, shout out to you. He's a big Man United fan. He's the one that told me when I was trying to pick a Premier League did, team. Not does he to say his me. name like that too? Graham? Like, does he say Gra- it? Graham like, Botlet? Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone else everyone else just says Bartlett, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll give him a hard time and say Botlet. But he was talking about his love of the FA Cup and you know watching these teams go play in stadiums that hold 300 people, um, which yeah. you know we talk about the Hounds not being able to hold you know what is it 5,000? Uh, 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 yeah, right now they can't hold that. They're, I think their stadium is 3,000. Yeah, technically, but, you know stadiums with 300 people and you see a team like Liverpool go rolling in there and it's just <laughs> yeah that's what it's all about. It's definitely David versus Goliath. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Although we'll, we'll talk off air about David versus Goliath because there's some there's some interesting stories behind that. Let's uh let's get into the uh, I know cliffhanger. Uh, 
So, uh, so we said we're going to talk a lot about Chelsea. Um, the big news, and and I watched this game um, live, was uh, Chelsea versus Spurs on Wednesday this past week. After we spent most of the last show talking about, I never said Chelsea wasn't going to lose, but I just was speculating that amongst the rest of the teams they were going to play, it was going to be difficult for them to drop points. And sure enough, Spurs came out. Um, and held them 2-0 at White Hart Lane off of two headers from Deli Alley, which, Kev, I, I think he's not your favorite person. If, am I right? No, he's not. Really? And I hate the fact that he got the two goals. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's – it's probably just jealousy because it's I, – I think there was – he's he mentioned that like he, he kind of wanted to go to Liverpool, but apparently just something didn't happen. Liverpool just weren't on it, and he goes to the Spurs. Um, but – I think, yeah. I mean, he, he's a young player, and now he's actually coming up in big games. Uh, and I mean, they're they're good goals, but yeah, I, I don't like them. <laughs> both both goals were basically they were made exactly the same way. It was Walker down the sidelines, passes it back to Erickson, who crosses it into the middle. There were a lot of jokes about the second goal was just you know the first goal, but from a different camera angle. Really, they were the exact same thing. Um, if, if it works, why you know? Exactly. Why try something else. And you know, it's important because Chelsea had a chance to set the single season win streak record with 14, um, but now they're tied with I think it was the 0102 Arsenal squad with 13 in a single season. Um, I, I mean, I watched this game. It was I don't even want to say it was a bit of a nail biter. I mean, it was just a really good game to watch. Chelsea didn't have very many clear cut chances. There was the one moment that uh, you know the press was all hyped about, where Pedro and uh, Costa sort of started jawing at each other because mm-hmm. um, I think it was Pedro that was supposed to be making a run and didn't make the run, and then Costa was like, "Why didn't you make the run?" and Afterwards, they you know shook hands and made up and all of that. It really wasn't that big of a deal. But Spurs held them to it, basically playing their own game. They went with a three-four-three and just sort of matched Chelsea and put pressure on you know. And and this was something that some of the pundits talked about after the game that um, you know not that the secret is out on Chelsea, but Chelsea struggled a little bit in their previous game as well. And the secret seems to be if you pressure. Um, Hazard and Pedro immediately and basically don't give them time to find Costa, then that's one way of limiting the chances that they're going to get. Everything seems to sort of funnel through there. Um, I don't know. Did you guys watch any of this game or catch any of the highlights, have any additional thoughts on specifically what happened here? Josh, <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. I, usually you talk first. I was just, I was waiting. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, you looked, you looked a bit more interested in talking about it. Than I, I, I don't like. I, I watched most of it. I didn't get, catch it all, but I did watch all of it on the highlights, all that kind of stuff. And it, it, it felt like I just expected Chelsea to turn it on at some point, and they just never did. The whole time, I did think it was going to be a closer match. Like I'm thinking, okay, Chelsea will get back into it. They'll, they'll get it. They'll get it. And they just never did. And I found it surprising but at the same time like you talked about usually Chelsea hits fast like right at the beginning they get ahead and then they sit back a little bit and they just defend and the fact that after the second half they still had not scored I was like well maybe it's not gonna happen (laughs) and yeah Yeah. I was just surprised yeah yeah I mean I I think it's if if we look at their run I mean I don't want to take anything away from Chelsea are a very good team right now they have a great manager great squad great players they are playing really well um, but I mean, in particular, like the city game stands out for me. Like City 
wins that game 90% of the time. I mean, De Bruyne misses it from like three yards out with an open net. If that goes in, I mean, it's a completely different game. And they don't go on this mad run that they're on and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there have been games over the past 13 games where you look at Chelsea and say, you know, they didn't they didn't necessarily, you know, deserve all three points in, in, in certain games. So to, to see this, it wasn't entirely surprising. I mean, now what? I think Spurs have won five in a row. I mean, they're yeah. you know, people kind of forgot about them for a while once what they drew like a ton of games and then lost one or something like that. And so people just kind of wrote them off, but um, what capping off a five game win streak against knocking off, you know, Chelsea, that's a huge result. And so, I mean, I, I, I certainly wrote Spurs off for title contenders a while ago, but, and they still might not be around there come the end of the season, but I mean, they're, they're, they're going to get some scalps for the, for the rest of the uh, rest of the season. That's for sure. Yeah. And this game, you know, had massive ripple effects for the rest of the league. We talked about how important it was um, for Chelsea to drop some points just to make the title race interesting. And, uh, you know, honestly, with that loss, Chelsea are still at 49 points, but now Liverpool are at 44. So they're only five points back, um, you know, after their draw to, what was it, Sunderland um, earlier. And now Tottenham jump up to third with 42 points tied with city on 42 points they knock arsenal out of the top four on 41 and united sit at 39 um everton are at 30 still got a chance still, <laughs> still pulling for it. it you're still yeah. in it mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah it was one of those things. there were a lot of memes going around of just uh you know lots of liverpool fans pulling for tottenham in this game uh just to make the race more interesting and, and keep them in it yeah it's weird i mean it's on one hand after this past Premier League weekend, you know, we closed the gap on Chelsea, but it still feels like it hurts because it probably should have been three instead of five. Um, but uh, it's a long season still, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I don't know. The other thing that I've heard kind of people talk about is, I don't know, what do you guys expect from Chelsea now? After, like, what do you expect their reaction to be? Because I, I think there has been some kind of evidence in the past where if teams go on these mad runs... Um, once they lose one, maybe they have a tendency to like lose the next two out of the four, or, or, or really not. You know, you don't really see a lot of teams bouncing immediately back and, and get back on the horse and go on another five, six, seven game run. Um, I don't have their schedule right in front of me. I can pull it up as we're talking. But would you? Would you guys? What do you guys think their reaction is going to be? I mean, they have Leicester next this weekend. The following weekend, they're going to face Hull, and then they'll have two big matchups in a row. On the 31st, they're going to face Liverpool, which, Kev, you keep saying that you think Coutinho is going to be back for that game, and then they have Arsenal the following weekend. So I think if they don't right the ship, you know, making it sound like things are terrible. um, Yeah, they're still top of the league. They're still top of the league, yeah. (laughs) They don't turn this around, man. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that this is a team that has faced adversity before, where they've gone down and they've found a way to scrap back. And, Kev, you know, you mentioned City, and to go on any sort of run like this in any sort of league where you put together 13 wins, you need some luck. And mm-hmm. they got some luck. But that's going to happen regardless of who you are. You don't just go and go into every game and stomp out a 5 nothing win. Um, so... I think that Conte has these guys in the right mindset. Um, you know, Kev, you shared an article, which, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to actually put up on the site 
from uh, our buddy Rory Smith. Shout out to Rory uh, from the New York Times. This is just going to be an ongoing thing. <laughs> we're, we're yeah, buddies. we're just over ten this whole time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Good old Rory. The way it works is that we read his stuff. We're now friends. So yeah. Rory Smith from New York Times. <laughs> Good friend. Um, Good friend. Yeah. Good friend. So he put together an article all about the changes that Conte has instilled um, since before coming in. And this article came out before the Tottenham game. But, um, it, you know, the, the shift in really managerial style um, and just sort of how he wanted to run the club, even before he was officially in charge, he was making tri- trips to Chelsea um, when he was still with Italy and uh, sort of talking to the players, figuring out if they wanted to be there. And there's this whole you know in business there's this there's this difference between leaders and managers where managers very much sort of like stand there bark orders and sort of want to take credit for what everybody else is doing and then you have leaders that are always sort of shown as like being with the team and like pulling everybody with them and Conte is definitely a leader whereas the impression the article gave and I think from what we've seen Mourinho is more of a manager um, and I, it just seems that the players have responded to that really well. I mean, he's very family focused. They talked about in the article how, you know, he's going to, um, was it, there was like a kid's party, like the staff kid's party. Yeah. And he like yeah. shows up and was like talking to everybody and signing autographs and like, he, yeah, he like invites the players, kids and even like the staff's kids and all that kind of stuff. No, I loved, yeah. And when the article he was like before the season starts, he's meeting with like Italian scouts in London, like having coffee. And I love that thought of just two, two Italians talking about the Premier League before he comes in. Um, no, I mean, and then just other small changes. Like I, what I think in the article they mentioned uh, how in like training camp, um, the players went in to like eat like in between sessions or something. And that, you know, it was just like nuts and fruit <laughs> and they were expecting like pizzas and salads and all that kind of stuff. And they thought they were in the wrong room. He's like, no, nah, this is, this is what it is. And so it, it, I definitely get the sense he demands a lot, but at the same time, you know, he's, he's very much there for them as well as not, not necessarily like a friend, but you know, he, he, he cares about the, the person as well as the player. And that, that's, it, it, that's what, that's what I get. It felt like, at least from the article, that there's a difference between going in to do a job and then trying to build a, a you know, kind of like a, a team, a, a team's the wrong word, a sense that you belong to something, you know, that you're a part of, instead yeah. of just being like, oh, I'm clocking in and clocking out. And it really felt like he's trying to make them feel like they're a Chelsea family instead of just like, hey, you now play for us until you get traded. Um, which I do feel like that's a big difference. And by doing that, you, you kind of make it so you want the other players to do well because that is part of your, your family almost, uh, which is probably hard to do, especially, you know, cynicism with this game a lot of times with, like, the highest bidder. You're, you're always trying to keep on improving your career and getting to a bigger spot. So the fact that he's been able to do that is impressive. Yeah. And the players have made, you know, no secret of the fact that they're actively trying to get Costa the golden boot. Like, it's just like, oh, you know, is it great that he's that that he's scoring goals? And and they're like, no, 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 we're actively trying to do this for him. Like there's it's like you said, Josh, it's this, you know, the team is greater than the individual. I mean, in this case, they're trying to help Costa. But at the same time, you don't have somebody like Hazard or Pedro saying, well, yeah, what about me? Like, where's my goals? Like, there's not that mentality. It's if we're all winning, 
we're all winning, and right now they're just saying, you know, if we can do it with cost saving goals. Do you guys like Conte? I mean, it, like it's kind of hard not to, especially after reading this article. I was like, yeah, he's a nice guy. Like I'd like to, I'd like to work for Conte. Like that'd be nice. <laughs> he's fun to watch. I mean, especially. I like the animated coaches, uh, which is funny because, you know, Everton's coach is not exactly <laughs> animated at all. If anything, he just looks like he's always angry. But uh, it's fun to watch people like Costa. I mean, he's just – he's on the sidelines. He's he's jumping – I mean, he's jumping up and down, and he looks like he's invested. He's he's yeah. the Italian Klopp. I mean, the two of them together, yeah. What With I think what John Oliver was on uh, Men in Blazes, he said, like, Conte's – like – Italian almost to an offensive stereotypical degree or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was really funny. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of uh, Klopp, you know, we, we I mentioned that Liverpool were sort of the biggest benefactors of Chelsea's loss in this game. And uh, as they now only sit five points back from the leaders, could have been three points, Kev, as you said, had they not drawn to Sunderland last week. Um, Kev, you decided to share. There's a there's a video out there of quote unquote angry Klopp circulating around yeah, I've YouTube. Never seen him like this. Where uh, where basically he's he's being interviewed immediately after the Sunderland game, and uh, you know there there were a number of reporters that just kept asking the same questions over and over again. And uh, Kev, you saw a side of Klopp that uh, you haven't seen before. What was that about? Yeah, I mean I've seen. I've seen glimpses of it before, but he was he was definitely just in a bad mood, and and the reporter's questions just wasn't helping it. I mean, I think in particular one of like his his response was, you know, do you really want to start off twenty seventeen asking that question? Or <laughs> like, like, he he said that, and he was like, ah, oh, you know, he he was just so frustrated, and I I think it was obviously the manner in which the draw played played you know played out as well as you know when it came you know it was against Sunderland and I think at, at the root of all of it it was this whole fixture um pileup um which which we'll talk about soon but I I think that the whole selection so he he pretty much went with the same starting 11 that played less than 48 hours before that game and I, th- I actually think it's a really tough decision because I, th- I think it's easy to just make six seven eight changes and then say we needed to our legs were falling off and even if you lose you you have an excuse right Mm -hmm. like yeah we weren't at the races today but our legs weren't there we needed to freshen up blah blah blah. i think he kind of makes the the tough choice in in kind of playing essentially the same 11 and especially because if you're if you're if you're one of the leading players and you get rested in that game and then you lose. I mean, can you imagine Klopp having players coming to him and like, look, we're trying to win a league here and you rest me for this game? Like, don't do that kind of thing. And so I, it was a tough decision for him to make and one that he's made clear he's never really had to make before because he's never had to play games in this short amount of time. So apparently he asked the players, you know, are you guys good? And every single one of them said yes. That's kind of a, like a survey bias like because what are you gonna do like nah i'm not good (laughs) and i feel like it yeah yeah like you're you're not really gonna do that but you know it was i think i think it's a tougher decision than 
we as fans can make it out to be. And uh, yeah, I, I think it showed for him. He was he was really frustrated. It's also interesting because you have he's the same guy, didn't he? Say at the very beginning of the season, like that's just part of the game. Just like tired legs, tired legs. You have to go through it. You're professionals. They're like you don't you don't sit it out. You you play through it because that's right. the game. And it's kind of I don't know getting that clock at the beginning of the season talking about that versus now where he actually is seeing it first person and, and having right. to deal with it yeah, a little bit different of a story from him right no and, and and i don't know if i mean me personally as a fan watching this game to me it felt like a lot of their mistakes were from maybe tired legs and it, and it wasn't your your just usual um uh, they didn't track back to cover this ball. It was it was small things like the pass wasn't necessarily right on the spot. I mean, th- th- there was um, I-, I heard from another podcast. Uh, I think it was the Anfield Wrap. They were talking about Andy Murray, the tennis player, and he wanted to he like he he switched managers and said like, okay, how do I get better? I want to become a better tennis player, and I want to work on like my technique or whatever. And this new manager said, it's not your technique. Your technique's fine. You're just not fit enough. He said, "When you get tired, everything else, everything else around your game just starts becoming that much. You know, it, it becomes it not starts sharp. To, it's yeah, it's like a domino effect. Right. When when you're tired, your your mind isn't on it, and their and that pass isn't zipped in there. And 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 so you know, Andy Murray gets fit, and he starts winning things. And so I think, to me, that's what I saw in this Liverpool Sunderland game. There was a lot of mistakes that I'm looking like, come on, you. I know you're a better player than this. You know you're a better player than this, and you're just making these stupid errors. And I, and I think it was tired legs, but I mean, I don't know. but watching that interview with Klopp, uh, the after game interview, it, it seemed like he thought the players did fantastic. That yes, they were I agree not to blame. Yeah. And he yeah. was like, you know what? They played the best game yeah. that they could, and I would have nothing but yeah. you know praise for them it he really did you know <laughs> go after the refs and then kind of like backtrack a little bit he goes it's a hard job it's a hard yeah. job <laughs> but two mistakes come on <laughs> yeah and no, I, I, I i think you're right i don't i don't think he ever kind of made the statement of oh well we're tired and so this happened mm-hmm. um even though i think he might have thought it internally i don't know and, and Kev, I have to admit, you know, you, you sent this around with the subject angry Klopp. And so I was expecting like him to be like throwing stuff. And even at that, he was like, he was like, uh, you know, it's really bad. Uh, yeah. Like it, there were times where he was a little bit upset, but it was not like fiery, like Mourinho. Right. Yeah. Like I'm going to go to press Klopp. Like uh, yeah. Yeah. Klopp yeah. is what it yeah. felt like. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we, we mentioned a little bit, you know, you know, the fact that they played 48 hours um, from the game before that. And. Uh, there was another article that was out there from joe.co.uk called uh, Why Premier League Clubs Have No Right to Complain About the Festive Fixture Matchup. And uh, specifically called out a few managers, one of which was Klopp, another which was Arsene Wenger. Uh, Wenger, who said in... But, tw- the, the, by the way, the, yeah, the article's written by Tony Barrett. He's another really good writer. Shout out to, shout good out friend. to Tony. Shout out to Tony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so Wenger said, in 20 years, it is the most uneven Christmas period I've seen. The difference in rest period is unbelievable in terms of all the teams. Honestly, I don't really know if the Premier League masters the fixtures. It's more we have sold the rights to tv for a lot of money so we have to accept tv chooses the games but some teams have more luck than others now chelsea was a biggest was a big benefactor of this i shouldn't say benefactor because there's a lot of games played for all the teams but they basically had three games spread over 10 games liverpool played three games in seven days so you can see where there's a slight benefit 
there in terms of scheduling, especially when you have, you know, no one can predict at the, at the start of the season how teams are, what form teams are going to be in, where they're going to be at the standings at this point in time. Um, but when you're in a title race and things are as tight as they are, subtle little things like this can make all the difference in a season. Um, now, there's a lot of different arguments, and I'm going to obviously open this up to you guys. One of the arguments is that, um, you know, that, that the broadcast companies like Sky are at fault because they make the schedule, but they also pay billions of dollars for the TV rights, which these managers and players are now getting, I don't want to say fat from, but they're making a lot more money because of the TV rights. So there's that balance of, yes, the schedule may be slightly unfair, but would you rather the schedule be slightly unfair or you be making significantly less money? Um, so that was just the one argument that I thought was interesting. I don't know if you guys want to expand upon that or if you have different arguments. Josh, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, I mean, that's kind of like the crux of this article. Is he says that it's all about the money, which they're benefiting from, so they should shut up, essentially. <laughs> it's what it sounds like he says. But I completely disagree with that because it's not like they have the ability to affect that too much. Yeah, they're making a lot of money from it, but it's not like they're demanding that they have to make this money or they're, they're walking, because they're not. I mean, we always talk about how, or everyone always says, you know, Premier League, top of the you know, the pyramid, it's the best place to be, it's the best game. And it's, this type of stuff undermines that and makes it so it doesn't feel like the best league out there. It feels kind of like, th th these are complaints that I hear about USA third division matches all the time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the schedule's not balance and we were playing this person you know three times like that this is the same thing <laughs> and this is the top of the pyramid like this is supposed to be the best league out there and we should not be seeing a league where one team has a unfair advantage compared to the other team if you can help it and i this is easily fixed and they just don't because of money which is sad well and i wanted to ask just even like straight up before even getting into nitty-gritty details of the article do you guys like all of the football over the winter period is this something you're like yeah i love this this is like i love the i love watching all these games or you're like nah this is a bit much i, I can do and, and now granted anything we say is coming from a very particular perspective of the american fan of the premier mm -hmm. league we're not we're not fans living in england going to try to support our teams right i mean so that, that was another kind of small argument um tony barrett made in the article saying like you know if, if you're if you're a fan trying to support your team you know you don't have necessarily the benefits of being able to fly to the next game on a private jet and then you know this is an expensive time of year for people they're spending a lot of money for like holiday gifts for their family all that kind of stuff and now they have to pay to go to some other away game in, in less than 48 hours and all that kind of stuff so i do you, from the american's perspective do you guys like all the game i like it i mean i, I love the more football the better as far as i'm concerned <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's great but, but yeah what do you guys think not really. I mean, to me, it's it doesn't feel like all that much more. We already get football every single weekend. So, I, eh, weekday games. In fact, I don't like weekday weekday games because I can't watch them. I'm at work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, for me personally, I would rather have just every weekend instead of having weekday games. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that. You know, I I was I didn't watch all of the games just because I can't watch you know, soccer 24 seven, not that I don't want to, but having a <laughs> wife and three kids sort of limits my yeah. ability to do so. So, you know, do I like the idea of having a lot more games to watch? Sure. Um, you know, I did appreciate 
just because I was able to watch it live, the Chelsea Spurs game, because it felt like that, I mean, that was the only game that day. So it almost, it made it feel like, you know, anybody who liked football is watching that game. It, 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 it added sort of this. There's a built up context. It was, it, there was, yeah. there was this built upness to it. Um, that I don't think you have when you have three different games going on at the exact same time over the weekend. But that said, do I think that there was anything more special about these games that are played during the week than if they were played on the weekend and you could watch them even if they were overlapping on the weekend? No. Um, It'd be different if I was doing nothing but watching all the games all the time. But the fact that I don't, it doesn't really impact me. Right. So the consensus from the American perspective is we're fine on the weekend games. We, we can handle that. We're good with that. If you consider me and Josh it. to be the consensus yeah. from American <laughs> games, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so, so another thing is I actually, I actually took something a bit different from, away from the kind of main um, theme of the article. And, and that was being kind of I – didn't, I didn't think about this kind of angle from it at all. Um, so Tony goes on to say – Every time a, luc- a lucrative new television deal is negotiated, Premier League owners, chairman, and chief executives have it within their gift to demand that a clearly defined criteria for fixtures is built into any deal, which I never thought about that from that perspective anymore. You could say, fine, when we're, when we're negotiating this new TV deal, um, we want to make sure that, you know, for instance, no games are played less than 48 hours apart or, or, or things like that. And now, granted, anytime you know, I'm I don't negotiate deals like this, but I'm sure you you put something in there like that, and they knock off a bit a bit of money, and so that's not very you know economically um, the the thing to do for you if you're if you're the club owner and all that kind of stuff. But it is kind of an interesting perspective where you know what if if you really wanted the schedule fixtures to change, you could probably push for it, but you're not going to get as much money, and so it's this kind of do you do you prioritize the financial gains or do you prioritize you know the virtuous things that you feel like you know the pillars of soccer and football need to be need to stand on and and it was an interesting question so you know it's i don't know how, you know I, I don't my guess is managers and players don't sit in and have any influence on those kind of deals and, and meetings so i can understand them getting upset about it but yeah hey. I mean, if you're Sky, what are you going to do? Be like, eh, you know what? We're not going to cover the Premier League. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So Deals I, off. <laughs> yeah. So I, think, I mean, I think that's a fair argument. It's 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 about how important is it? I mean, let's face it. We just spent the past 15, 20 minutes talking about how managers are upset about the fact that the schedule is uneven. This is headlines. Like, regardless of what else is going on, it's something else to talk about related to the Premier League. It's another storyline. So does it behoove uh you know the upper ups at the EPL to change it i mean if the if if there are enough teams that complain about it and basically say like look we're not playing then yeah they're going to change it but unless somebody's really that upset they're not going to give up the storylines they're not going to give up the extra money so you know it, their teams are be- on their own <laughs> It would be kind of awesome. It would never happen, but it would be kind of awesome if all the teams agreed. Like, we're just playing our B teams. Like, <laughs> yeah. like every single team, just don't put a single starter on the field. Just play unknowns. People never heard of them. <laughs> Make the ratings suck that week. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, can you imagine... 
Klopp calls Moyes before the game. All right, so look, we're playing, we're playing the kids, right? Like we're playing the kids. They're like, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 Jurgen, we're playing the kids. And then the lineup comes out. Ah, crap, they're not playing Son the kids. <laughs> That's why it would never happen. But yeah. how awesome would it be if it's like that week you don't see a single starter? And then it's like, well, there's your TV deal down the drain. I think I think some some other interesting perspectives on it was other potential cons are, you know, um, from a like from a fan viewing perspective. You know, they're saying games that come, you know, in in a, in a small space of time that potentially you know, increases just, well, not increases, decreases the quality of football that we're watching, right? I mean, the error-strown football was the term that was used in the article, risk of fatigue, risk of injury, things like this, um, which obviously we as fans don't necessarily want to watch. Another thing, so Klopp apparently was quoted saying, you know, everyone is asking why is England not too successful in the big tournaments? Ask what other big countries are doing at this time of year, and they all have their legs up on the sofa watching English football. So, you know, it's, <laughs> that was pretty you know, good. German, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Germany, I think, has a, a winter break. Um, Sp- I, Spain might. I don't know. Italy might. I don't know. But um, it's it's if, so from that perspective, okay, yeah, I can I can see that as well. But no, it's I, the thing that I took away from all this discussion is there's not a clear right or wrong answer i think there's pros and cons on both sides um yeah i don't know but it's an interesting topic i i I got i enjoyed kind of thinking about it i mean it's it's a demanding season as it is i mean even when the teams aren't in league play like this past weekend they still have fa cup matches or you know soon they're gonna have national team call-ups and you know uh there's the african cup of nations that's coming up they're playing non-stop from basically August through what, like May, um, whenever the 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 season ends, and so I can see the value in taking a break. Now, I did appreciate the fact that it was like, oh, you know, it's the holidays. What are we gonna do? Oh, let's sit down and watch some soccer. But did I need a game again to be on every day of the week? No, I didn't. Um, so you know, spacing that out, giving the players even a week off, or figuring out some way to you know spread it out a little bit, like you said what we don't want to see is injuries and if doing something like this is going to increase the likelihood of injuries which we've seen um you know there is the potential when you're playing more games in a shorter period of time and things get sloppy and yada 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 hamstrings go yeah Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. nobody wants to see that so i guess as a fan would you be willing to do away with those games kevin you know josh and i've already said they're like "Eh," you know but yeah, no, I mean for sure. No, I mean I think it's, I I think it's it, I think a lot of people can get maybe upset at like our American perspective because you know we're not actually part of that culture that makes it what it is, and we're we're not going to the games and and all that kind of stuff. We're just kind of sitting over here like yeah, put more on the TV like and that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you know it's it's I, I think it's you know. I, any any American opinion shouldn't really be taken with any kind of you know validity whatsoever in this debate. But yeah, no, I, I I think it seems like the fixture congestion driven by television is is what's happening here for purely economic reasons, right? Let's maximize our our profits, 
and I think anytime that's the forefront of what you're doing is it's probably not the best thing. When you lose sight of think of things like taking care of your fans, taking care of um, your players, your your team, and all that kind of stuff, then it's 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 probably not great. But yeah, I also think that like a big part of this for me at least is it makes the schedule unbalanced, which means it cheapens. Yeah the the end of this you know what i mean like the final four I, for, I forget about that all the time yeah, yeah it's like this is this should be important it should be like as balanced as possible so that way when you know whoever has the most points at the end it matters you feel like they deserved it but yeah. if they had an easy you know time with this they give you know a couple extra points here and there because of the way the schedule's balanced out that kind of makes you feel like oh well they're not really the better team they just happen to have the easier schedule right yeah I mean, I guess the the difficult the difficult pill to swallow is at the end of the day, just like the NFL, just like the NBA, just like whatever, it's a business. It's all about them dollar yeah. bills or pounds, <laughs> and it's you know, it, we as fans like to hold on to it as something more than that. But you know, it's entertainment the same way The Bachelor is entertainment. So, <laughs> which is on in my household right now. <laughs> <laughs> But no, so actually, that's a really, I don't want to, if we're, if you want to cut down on time, just tell me and I'll shut up. But no, that, that brings up an interesting point that I've actually thought about is like, you know, if you're a manager, right, you're Pep Guardiola or, or, or someone who just comes in, how, how do you set up your team? Are, do you set up your team purely to win, even if it's not entertaining to watch? Or do you prioritize entertainment and like beautiful football, even though it, puts you at maybe a risk i'm not saying it does but let's say it puts you at a risk of losing more games but it's more entertaining for the fans i mean it's like what is this sport is it purely for entertainment is about is it about winning games what is it about pleasing whatever the fans want you to do or is it about kind of doing what you want to do and so that's um i thought about that for a while. i I don't, I don't know if there's an answer to it but it's that's because but it gets it hits at your point of like whole it's a business kind of thing. you're right I mean, it's entertainment at the end of the day you know we, we 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 pay the money to be entertained and and that's what it is and uh but at the same time you also get this whole like you know we're fans not customers kind of thing and that's like a tough th- you know so it's i don't know it's you could write a thesis on it or something but. i was gonna say you're, you're getting into some like higher level stuff here i mean all of the different things you talked about you know in terms of are you trying to please the fans are you trying to play beautiful soccer are you just trying to win games I almost liken that to like different movie genres and how everybody has their favorite genre. So, you know, Pep has gone on record as saying that he thinks that the perfect goal is basically one that is scored after all 11 on-field players have touched the ball once. So basically he wants the goalie to start with it and string a series of 11 passes together where everybody touches the ball and it goes in the goal. Like his focus is beautiful soccer or beautiful football. Um, you have somebody else like Mourinho who's just going to come in and do whatever he can just to win games and that's it. And then you have other teams where, you know, the focus is much more just on the fans and retaining the culture of the team, whether that means that they win or lose. And that's where you have a lot of sort of these middling ish teams that aren't really going to go down, but they're not really going to crack the top four either. They're trying to hold on to something um, and just keep that going. So, I mean, I guess that's a, it's, I think a lot of it depends on where you are and what sort of freedom you have as a manager. I think if it's you br- also, I feel like 
everything. I mean, it's yeah. D, all of the above. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you need to have yeah. all that in <laughs> yeah. mind and try to balance it. And that's the hard part is finding that good balance to figure out where you need to fall in that spectrum to keep the fans, keep the money rolling in because you are playing interesting and fun soccer, but at the same time, you're winning. So you're not losing fans because you're going down. You know what I mean? Like, you have yeah. to do both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, even though I agree with you that you have to do both, I'm going to force you to not do both and pick one, okay? So if you, <laughs> if you had to follow a team and you win boring one nils every game and you win the league, or you finish mid-table and, like, every game is just so exciting. That doesn't and sound it's... like you're biased at all in this category. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who yeah. follows a mid-table team, I would say the latter is better because at least it's interesting and it's part of that drama that you don't know what's going to happen for sure, but, you know, you always hold out hope that you could go on a run. Um, yeah. But if, 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 you know, you're just out there to win constantly, you just pay all the money you can, get the best players possible, and dry out the other teams by stealing their best players, and there <laughs> yeah. you go, you win. Right. Yippee. <laughs> it right. seems kind of boring to me. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's tough. I mean, it, and I don't think any of our answers are going to be 100% towards that answer. Like you said, Josh, it's a mixture of both for sure. But I think mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting question that I ask myself all the time and I don't have an answer to. <laughs> I mean, it's also personal preference, especially, you know, for us who are so far away. We don't actually live in the cities where these teams play. So a lot of the traits that the team currently, or at least when we start following the team, represent is sort of what draws us to them. Um, so, you know, one of the things that drew me to Spurs was the fact that, you know, they don't have too many overly flashy players and it is a very defensive first minded team, but they still move forward together and they play a certain way and all of that. If somebody else came in and changed that and all of a sudden they become united and they start splashing a bunch of money, I probably wouldn't like that, but you know. (laughs) There's also what if your local team did that? So let's say the Hounds. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that, that that's yeah, an we, interesting idea. It's a different feeling. Like yeah. I, I follow this team. I go to the games. I'd be happy if they won every single game. Of course I would be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm there no matter what, and so winning does matter that way. But yeah. if I'm just watching on the the TV, I want to watch something entertaining. So it does have a different feel to it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that yeah. one. So. Regardless, it was a really good article. Um, We've talked about a lot of articles and videos in this one. Like I said, we will definitely put them up uh, in the show notes, which you can find over at 3plpod.com. That'll take you directly to the 3PL section at bgn.fm. You can then click on the show, see all of the stuff, and you you can share your own opinions. Uh, Let us know what you think about them. Um, There are games this weekend. Uh, We have uh, one of the big ones is going to be Liverpool versus Man United. So, Kev... I'm really hoping that Liverpool can return the uh, the favor to Spurs by beating United and keeping them three too, points man. back. Um, but zero uh, zero draw, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Curse you, Josh. Um, otherwise, you know, other games that are on tap. Uh, Swansea are going to go up against Arsenal. Um, you know, I don't think that one's necessarily going to be close. Everton versus Man City. Last time we saw that one shake out. You know, we talked about this a little bit on the last show. Everton was able to get the draw in that one, Josh, was it, I think? Um, yes. Where you didn't want to talk about it, but they still put on a good performance. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if uh, if they can put put on a good game at home. Um, so we'll have a lot to talk about coming up in this next show. Quickly on fantasy, um, you know, I don't know if you guys have been making any moves or even paying attention to fantasy at all. Uh, I feel like... I'm going to say this and it's going to come back to bite me, but I feel like my team is like better than it should be allowed to be. 
I made two moves. I know. Just wait. Just wait. First of all, Kevin, you laugh, but you've been tumbling down the table, and I've no, been clawing my way I'm up. Terrible. Yeah. I was. Uh, I made actually two moves, so I once again ate four points. But I think it's worth it this time. <laughs> I say this every time. <laughs> Shut up, Josh. So, no, no, it's funny because I, I have no room to talk. I, I'm yeah. tumbling down the table. That's the only move, move I'm making is down the table. So, so uh, what did I do here? So I swapped out Kane, which feels you know a little bit blasphemous. That is. Yeah. But I took out Kane and I brought in uh, Defoe, which Defoe has been scoring goals and has more points than Kane. So I was like, okay. So I I gained some money that way, and then I finally transferred out Milner, which. I had been holding yeah. on to him forever and brought in Deli Alley, who's been tearing it up recently. And this next week, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to do it now or I'm going to wait, but uh, I'm going to be able – I have enough cash left over that I can turn Snodgrass into Coutinho. So my midfield will basically be Coutinho. It's got a weird image in my head. Yeah. So. I could, <laughs> I'll have Coutinho, Lalana, Ali, uh, Allen – and then up front, I'm going to have Zlatan, Defoe, and Costa. So in terms of like, good. good team. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I I don't. We'll see if it happens. But uh, <laughs> I'm feeling good about my team now. I feel like I'm getting into the group. We have the wild card available. I don't feel like using my wild card yet. I thought I'd pounce all over that, but that's a good point. Maybe I will use the wild card. I I feel the opposite of you. I I don't know what's going on with my team. Why they're not getting me more points? But I I felt like I made all the right moves, and now just like. Where, where's all the points? What's going on? <laughs> I got Costa Aguero, and I was like, come on, guys. <laughs> Do a little work here. Yeah, you weren't around on the show because your internet went out, Josh, which I thought Wah-wah. was very convenient considering that I beat you last week and wanted to do a whole bunch of bragging. But uh, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It never happened. <laughs> My internet went out, in air quotes. <laughs> Kev, are you doing anything? Are you even yeah, looking no, at I'm players? Yeah, no, I'm totally and... playing the wild card. Even though, I mean, and, and I have some, I don't I don't know. I have some. I have two free transfers. I have three mil in the bank, so I could do some stuff. But I'm, injuries are kind of hurting me right now. Pickford's out injured. Uh, Zaha's injured. Benteke is looking iffy. Walcott's looking iffy. So I, I need some. Yeah, my team needs some some surgery. But uh, I still I still you know say that we're a good team. Points show that we're a good team, but not like win loss. What's uh What's your team value at right now? Like I have my squad values at ninety nine point two and I have two point eight in the bank. So technically I'm at one oh two. Which isn't great, but it's better than a hundred. Yeah, it's better yeah. than a hundred, right? Yeah, I'm close to that. I'm squad values at one oh one and I have point eight in the bank. So, so yeah, you're, you're you're right there. Yeah, you yeah. you guys are better than you guys are better than me. I have ninety seven point five with three point three in the bank. So about okay. even. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we talked a lot about Chelsea, um, talked a lot about uh, Angry Klopp, uh, talked about a lot of things. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to touch on here before we uh, call this one? I feel like it was a decent show. We got, we'll got. we save it for another week. Okay. Yeah, another <laughs> week. We, we got some other stuff. One of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about, it just didn't fit into the show. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Uh, there was a documentary that came out on Netflix called Being Zlatan. Um, which basically follows a lot. They started filming him when he was like 16 years old, and it followed him for through his first few clubs. So if you get a chance and you want to go check that out on Netflix before we talk about it, it I found it to be rather 
interesting. Um, I think interesting is probably the right word. There were a few things that I didn't know about him. Um, some of the stuff is probably not suitable for kids, but um, but overall, you know, it gives you some insight into the man, the myth, the legend that is Laton. Um, is this our first homework ever on uh, uh, the 3PL show? I think so. You know, we. You, I think, Josh, it was you that mentioned, like, hey, maybe we should do, like, a book club. Um, yeah. This isn't really a book club. This is like a... I don't. I don't know what you call like a Netflix club. Maybe we'll just call it a Netflix club. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of documentaries. There's a lot of cool books out there. So if anybody has anything related specifically to the uh, Premier League that you think is worth checking out, we'll check it out and we'll talk about it. Um, especially under the sort of this new format where we'll talk about a few games here and there, but otherwise it's more overarching um, concepts and and points about the Premier League that uh, we think are worth talking about. So. Yeah. Um, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Kevin Josh, obviously, for joining me to BS about the EPL. You can find more great, beautiful game podcasts over at bgn.fm, and you can email us at 3pl at bgn.fm. Follow us on Twitter at 3plpod. Like I said, talked about a lot of links and videos in this one. If you want to see them for yourself, head over to 3plpod.com. We'll include all the links in the show notes. More games this weekend. So, you know, as always, we'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. This is the 3PL Premier League podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more great football, soccer, beautiful game podcasts at bgn.fm.